To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you, and enjoy the program. I'm trying to get crazy with this, see? Don't you know I'm local? Jay here, positivesarcasm.com. Find me on Twitter at POS Sarcasm. Find me on Minds, Minds.com. Uh, positive Sarcasm is my username there. You can find me on Facebook.com slash Positive Sarcasm. Of course. You can also hit me up on the Instagrams at Positive underscore Sarcasm. I'm a little thrown off today. I'm also a little tired. I'm also a little out of it. I'm also a little everything with a sprinkle on top. Uh, yeah. Just trying to get my buddy uh, Josh on the podcast, but it's funny. It's like the people will do all kinds of things. They'll go on Facebook and say all kinds of shit, or they'll do something ridiculous, or they just... They go to all these other sources, but when it comes to actually sitting them down and just kind of talking shit for like an hour, people kind of just like, I don't know, man. It's like, I don't want to sound stupid or nothing. It's like, I go on here and I sound fucking stupid every single week. I don't have the best voice. Uh, I don't even have the second best voice. All right. Uh, My face is all bloated from the amount of coffee I drank. Actually, coffee? Probably the ham. Probably the ham, not the coffee. Um... You know, that's the thing. It's not about taking chances. You're just, we're literally just coming on here and we're talking about subjects that normally you would want to talk about or things that are on your mind. Maybe we steer the conversation a little bit to kind of keep things on track. But for the most part, it's not a difficult task. It's just two people talking shit on mics to establish a conversation, something that's not normally had, you know? Like my buddy Mr. Frowley and me, you know, he's, we're bombing each other with Instagrams all the time, but when it comes to like actual conversation, it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, we talk in beats. There's not a lot there. I mean, we tried it back in the day, but it just wasn't back. Well, first of all, back in the day, I was not a coherent human being to even have a microphone in front of me and he wasn't really into it. And I, I just find this common every time I fucking do something. And I get it. Some people are just not designed for the microphone. And maybe I'm not designed for the microphone either. But I do it. I do it regardless because I know that if I don't have the practice behind the microphone, I'm not going to get better at it. At all. You know? Like, I'm not going to get better at it. I'm not going to learn how to speak more fluently. I'm not going to be able to design my arguments better. And I'm not going to get people's attention to where they maybe want to insert their opinion that's either alongside mine or against my opinion. Or maybe there's a conversation to be had regarding it. So if we're not doing it, then there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing that can be grown from it. I do the podcast because it's originally um, – it was my first thing I wanted to do with this website um, once I got, transferred the blogs over from Our City Radio. Podcasts are important because there's a lot of information out there that falls through the cracks. Aren't exact. That's not discussed about, not talked about, not you know thrown back and forth, um, not challenged. Just a lot of information out there. And, oops, are we still on? Yeah, we're still on. Sorry about that. I hit the button. So the idea is that I want to explore all kinds of different events and things like that. And I also want to talk to the people that when I go out there and I shoot these vlogs or I do these ads and things like that. There's a lot of people who I come in contact with, you know, the guys who do the drifting shit, the guy uh, who does who, who goes and gets his coffee from Colombia, who sources his coffee from Colombia, um, you know, all all this other stuff. People uh, like uh, when Mr. Monotone comes on and just talks about his random shit, you know, it's practice for him, which he desperately needs, but he absolutely deserves he needs the practice and deserves the practice, so I'm absolutely more than happy to come on here and firebomb him on the microphones if I think that it's going to help him be better at whatever it is he's trying to do, even if he's trying to sell me something. So I think it's important that we open these things up. Don't be scared because anybody who's just willing to sit down and talk, there's a greater chance of, of something good coming out of it by you sitting down and talking, at least to me. I'm actually, when you think about it, I'm not an aggressive person on the microphones when it comes to somebody sitting down in front of me. I really just want to talk and uh, uh, get to know somebody, maybe ask them a couple of questions. If there's something they maybe they don't feel comfortable with, I'm not going to bring it up again. I'm not here to push 
controversial shit that would jeopardize somebody else's uh, 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 goals in life. I care about myself, what I want to do. Okay, what I want to, I want to talk about the things that I want to talk about. I have certain things that I want to portray. I, I like to talk cultural stuff. I like to talk current events. I don't really get too political. Um, maybe my cultural and political sometimes go hand in hand. But for the most part, I really just want to communicate with people. And if it, I, and, and like I said from the very beginning, when I started doing this all over again, if I got to do it myself, then I'll do it myself. And I'm fine with that. It's just, and you know what? Doing it myself, doing it yourself has been a theme with a lot of comedians lately. Bill Burr does a lot of his, the vast majority of his podcasts, it's just him. Chris Aaliyah is just him. I'm not them. You know, those are two of uh, some of you know, the greatest comedians out there. But I have that avenue because I built this podcast myself. I built this whole thing myself. You know, everything here I put together myself. So I have every right to get out there and portray my thoughts and opinions, but by also doing the research as well. But I have it set up here so if somebody wants to come down and just chat about their interests, because your interests are important. Your goals and your dreams and your creative mindset is important too. To it's also important to me because these are people that I've helped in the past that they didn't even know that they wanted or needed help. So if I offer you a chance to sit down in front of the microphone, behind the microphone, take it. And this is not, a, um, I'm not lecturing anybody you know, bashing anybody. I'm just saying, you know, when, when you, every time you say no, you're saying no to a potential opportunity. There are times to say no. Absolutely. I agree. There are plenty of times to say no. But when it comes to just, you know, sitting down for 45 minutes to an hour to talk about something that you care about that can help you potentially learn and get a better idea of something that you may want to do in the future, or at least a glimpse of it, try, you know, try it out. Give it a whirl. You never know, because at the end of the day, it's just two bros talking shit behind a mic. If Ryan Healy, who I did the uh, the little glimpse of her studio, wanted to come in and fucking talk, uh, uh, you know, uh, competitive fitness and tanning for like an hour, I'd let her have her plug, and we'd sit here and we'd talk for an hour. And we'd talk about the, the photo shoots that we've done together. We'd talk about the fitness shows that we've done together. I'd let her complain about all her first world problems. I would let her do all that. We'd actually, and I think her and I would discuss a lot. We'd talk about a lot. Would she be a novice to it? Yeah, absolutely. But we'd coach her along the way and make her feel comfortable to the point that once she's done, we'd have a solid hour. And you're not going to sound perfect because on a podcast, you're not supposed to sound perfect. On a podcast, you're supposed to just kind of let things hang where they are. Your raw thoughts come out. And we help build our, we help build our thoughts through the podcast. That's what the whole point of it is. It's not an interview. Okay? Interviews are scripted, formulaic. Um, a lot of the times they're boring. They're targeted. Uh, people have their guard up. Whereas this case, it's more of just a conversation. That's what it should be about. I think that's important, and I will keep relaying it until the fucking point gets across. So I think I, I just I wanted to say that right up front. Don't be afraid of the microphone, you know? It might be your way into something better. I don't know. You know, especially if you're going to... And if you're into YouTube, oh, then it's double. Because if you think, you know, podcasting is uh, makes you feel vulnerable, go on YouTube. Go on YouTube and do that. Because it's audio. It shows your audio skills, your verbal skills, your visual skills, your editing skills, and your reach. You know, your ultimate reach. So, consider that. Look at that. Uh, that can wait, that can wait. Yeah, that can all wait. So, yeah, consider that. Just a piece of advice. You know, a piece of advice. Uh, anyways, all right. Oh, there was this incident. So, I was hanging out with Turcot of Polkin Productions last week. I forgot to mention this in the last podcast. Cafe Bustello on ice with cream, by the way. Just thought I'd let you know. Delicious. So we stopped by um, some ice cream place in Londonderry or Derry, whatever. Some town near where Turcot lives. And 
I throw my. I, it's it's a nice place. The roof is down. It's beautiful out. Walk across. This lady looks at my car. Uh, I take the keys and I just throw them in the passenger seat as we walk away. And she's looking at the car, and I go. She looks at me, and I just go here, take it. Jokingly, obviously, or so I thought. Apparently, my comedy did not come across as clear as I thought it did. So I walk towards um, the counter where we're going to get our smoothies or uh, uh, whatever you're going to call them. And the woman reaches into the passenger seat of my car and takes the keys and looks at me and goes, you serious? And I go, no, no, I'm, I'm not serious. I'm joking. Like she says, you said I could have it. And I know she's being I now I'm starting to re, starting to think that she's being serious. And I just flat out said, no, I was lying jokingly. And then she throws the keys back in the car and goes, you're an idiot. And I'm like, bitch, you think I was serious? You think I'd give you a fucking, you just, you, first of all, stupid, you showed up in a motorcycle, okay, with your chaps and your leather jacket, because you think you're cool, you stupid fucking Canadian. Um, I don't know why shit Canadian had anything to do with it, but hey, all right, maybe the comedy's different up there. I don't know. And another thing. Yeah, so you have a motorcycle here, so what are you going to do? Just leave your motorcycle here? And then you're going to think you're going to take off in a fucking V8 Mustang? You're going to take off. You're like, I'm just going to give you a vanity-plated V8 convertible. How fucking dumb are you, Lady? You really? Are you that gullible? You know? I, seriously. So she throws the keys back on there and takes off. And I'm like, okay. Let me just text my buddy back. He's on his way. Um, so, yeah, I was like, all right. I, I looked at Turcotte. He looked at me. I'm like, dude, that bitch thought I was serious about fucking taking the car. I'm like, no. No, that's – first of all, you need a bill – first of all, you need a bill of sale, okay? I have to sign the car over to you. You can't just say, here, take it. Where are you going to take it to? How are you going to register it? <laughs> fucking idiot. So there's my thoughts on that. <laughs> I got a bunch of articles I've been sitting on. Oh, we got a sequel. We got a sequel, bro. All right. I talked to you a few weeks ago about the um, cereal company. General Mills was getting sued for not using, quote, real cocoa. There's a class action lawsuit against General Mills, who makes Cheerios and Cocoa Pebble, Cocoa Puffs and all that stuff, about them not using real cocoa you know they mix it with like alkaline or whatever in their cereals so that class action lawsuit's pending i got a sequel to that that story and let me go back let me open this up by emily sorter okay i'm gonna read this off check this shit out let me move this thing aside okay all right here we go we doing this all right okay here's this here's the title oreo class action challenges quote real cocoa claim here we go again. A class action lawsuit challenges the use of the phrase, quote, always made with real cocoa in the advertisement of Oreo for Oreo cookies. First of all, if you think Oreo cookies were tasting natural to begin with, you got, you got problems. According to consumers, the fact that Oreos are made with cocoa powder processed with alkali, there it is again, is inconsistent with Mondelez Global LLC's use of the term, quote, real cocoa to advertise the cookies, which implies that the cocoa is in its pure form without additional ingredients. Plaintiff Charles Harris has filed the original cocoa claims class action lawsuit against Mondelez Global LLC, the makers of Oreo cookies. <laughs> Mondelez. Welcome. He wants some Mondelez Oreo cookies. Harris claims that he purchased one or more. Who the fuck is this Harris guy? Alleges that. Uh, okay, Harris claims that he purchased one or more pro oil products for personal use, personal use, as opposed to use that bore the phrase always made with real cocoa. Allegedly, he relied on the phrase to make his purchasing decision and made his purchase because he believed that the cocoa was made with real cocoa. Fuck this dude. According to Harris, Mondelez's use of the phrase always made with real cocoa misleads consumers as to the nature of the cocoa present in real cookies, in Oreo cookies. Harris's class action lawsuit states that the cocoa powder can either be treated through alkalization or can be used in its non-alkalized state. 
Allegedly, the cocoa present in Oreo cookies was treated with alkali, which reduced cocoa's acidity and gives it a dark color associated with Oreos. Allegedly, the alkalized cocoa has less of the real cocoa taste than non-alkalized cocoa. There's a lot of cocoa. There's a lot of cocoa going on here, bro. The Oreo class action lawsuit contends with Mondelez Global LLC knows that consumers prefer ingredients that are in pure form and uses that real cocoa advertisements to appeal to its preferences. Harris says that... According to the market research, a majority of the consumers say that when it comes to ingredient trends, a back-to-basics mindset focused on simple ingredients and fewer artificial or processed foods is a priority. Uh, Harris alleges that in his lawsuit that no reasonable consumer would expect the cocoa and Oreos to have been made with and contain alkali because real in modifying the word cocoa represents the cocoa powders in, included in the most simplest form. The Oreo cla- cocoa class action lawsuit says that the presence of alkali in cocoa is a distinguishable characteristic in the cocoa used in Oreo cookies because it affects the taste and color of the cocoa. Allegedly, the presence of alkali would affect whether or not a consumer would purchase the product and should therefore be included. Okay. So, some fucking fat dude... Um, I'm going to say he's fat. I'm just going with it. I don't really know who this Harris par- par- character is. Harris character. And he states, but because if Oreo cookie wasn't made with real cocoa, he wouldn't have purchased it and shoved it down his stupid face. Uh, first of all, I call bullshit on that. There, Okay, first of all, there is no... Fu- I, I don't ever in my life ever searched a Oreo cookie wrapper to see whether or not it was made with real cocoa. Ever. Ever. I don't think these fucks ever even look at the ingredient label on the back. You know you are getting some processed fake, not fake sugar, processed white sugar shit the minute you buy an Oreo cookie. Two of those fucking cookies are 150 calories, okay? That's as much as a handful of almonds, okay? Um, that, that. First of all, should they be using alkali? I don't know. Well, we can Google the process about how you should be making freaking cocoa. But the fact of the matter is, if you are buying an Oreo cookie, you're getting you're getting shit. You are getting bottom of the barrel uh, processed junk. All right, Oreo cookies are that is the one cookie that if you want to get fat, that's exactly the one you eat. Okay, and you can tell me that carbs. At the end of the day, it's just calories in, calories out. Dude, it's a fucking Oreo cookie, okay? You eat an Oreo cookie and you don't work out, you don't do anything, you just eat Oreo cookies. You're not, you're not healthy, okay? If you take in a two th- based on a two thousand calorie diet, let's say your body's on that natural level, two thousand calories. If your cal- caloric intake is basically fucking Twinkies, you are gonna be unhealthy. Same situation goes on for Oreo cookies, whether they're made with alkali. A real cocoa. Don't matter. You're gonna get fat. Alright? So, um, I mean, first of all, if, I don't, yeah, I just wanted to let you know there's a, there's a sequel to this story, and this is actually a thing that takes place. Now, this is also one of the reasons, there's two sides to this story. Yes, I'm, I'm going to dive even, even deeper. One, this is the problem, this is the reason that uh, prices for food go up, even if it's processed food, because they need a legal department to freaking defend themselves against fucktards like these. And then they send out a two million. Do- then they send out a two million dollar lawsuit. Did my thingy just go? Uh, let's go live again. You know, so they gotta pay. They gotta have a legal team to defend themselves against these fucks that are making god awful loss, pu- pushing forward got off lawsuits like this but it also keeps the cookie company in check because of the fact that they're putting bad ingredients in their food because they could say hey we use fucking ddt or pesticides in our food and if nobody sues them regarding it then they're not they're just going to keep doing it because it's all about making a buck in the end that's crony capitalism uh capitalism's good but if nobody keeps them in check nobody regulates what they put in the food then no bueno. They'd still have trans fats in their cookies and shit. So that's something I wanted to get across. Um, stay tuned for more information. And if there are more cocoa lawsuits, I do want to bring them forward and discuss with them with you on the podcast. 
But I got a bunch of articles today that I want to kind of bang through because I've been I've had other stuff come up that has that stuff I really wanted to uh, well I wanted to address. So some of them have been put on the back burner, and these are all just interesting things that I've been you know keeping an eye on for uh, the the past few weeks. And finally, I have a chance to share them with you. Uh, I don't know if I'll cut the podcast short and insert um, and insert uh, Josh if he gets it when he gets here or not. If not, I'm just going to keep flowing and finish it up with just you know my usual monologues. So we're going to move on to topic number two. This is pretty cool. Um, I was actually chatting with uh, a nonprofit that I work with, and we're talking about the we're talking about the uses of cameras. Like, you see a lot of these like vloggers on YouTube and stuff like that. For example, um, who is it? Uh, Casey Neistat is one of the biggest vloggers on on YouTube. He generally he generally you'll see him using like a Canon 80D uh, or a Panasonic GH85, something like that. He uses like a high end. Canon 80D is a very nice camera. Flip screen, you know, high frame rates, 1080 digital, a 1080 1080p. It's either DSLR or mirrorless, but he can go through cameras like you wouldn't believe. So that camera, generally, that whole setup will cost you between like a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks. You know, plus the proprietary microphone that goes in the top, plus additional batteries, blah blah blah, and a sweet tripod yoke. That is a couple thousand dollars. Now, when you start getting into Digital, when you start getting into movies, those cameras tend to get a little more expensive. The most expensive camera that you can use in a movie production right now is what you call an IMAX camera. Okay? IMAX cameras, you generally don't buy them, though. You rent them. And you rent them for like $50,000 a week. You rent them, your production company rents them, then you use them, and then you give them back. Okay? The reason you don't see a lot of IMAX cameras used a lot a lot of IMAX cameras use a lot. The reason IMAX cameras aren't used for every single shot is because they're very loud. Because the amount of, like, for example, 4K, you know, is a big screen. But that's like a, an IMAX resolution is like 20 times 4K. It's just huge. It's just it, there's so much screen because the, the, the actual quality is so big. It's It requires so much energy to power a IMAX camera. So an IMAX camera is going to eventually overheat. It has a lot of it has a lot of moving it's not a lot of moving parts per se. So it's big. So it requires a lot of shit going on. Hence, it needs fans. So it's going to be loud. Okay. So you can't exactly use it for like a really quiet scene generally. So, but it is great for huge things. Like if, for example, if you saw Dunkirk, Dunkirk was a perfect example of IMAX because of the quality. You know, it was perfect. Like the, the attention to detail was amazing on that. So, uh, Christopher Nolan, who created, who did Dunkirk, he did the Batman trilogy, he did Interstellar, a lot of IMAX cameras. Now, I wanted to read an article about the one he sank. So, an IMAX camera generally, like you rent, you rent it for a few weeks, costs you about fifty, sixty thousand dollars a week. When you buy one, they're about five hundred grand. The article, Kevin Berwick, uh, Movie Web. Christopher Nolan sank a $500,000 IMAX camera making Dunkirk. It recently revealed that Dunkirk director Christopher Nolan accidentally sank a $500,000 IMAX camera while filming World War II, filming the World War II story. Dunkirk was... Um, well, you can go back. You can Google the history on Dunkirk. Um, just, yeah, just go ahead and do that. Who's that? Oh, here. Anyways, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually cut this short. I'm going to be right back. What does it do? Brings me back to the podcast. Sorry for the delay on that. Um, you didn't really feel it, but I, uh, my buddy Josh Kowitzki stopped by. Wanted to show him some drifting video stuff. So it's all good. Anyways, where were we? Let me hit open on this bad boy. We were talking about the... Sorry, I was drinking a shitload of coffee. We were talking about the uh, $500,000 IMAX camera that Christopher Nolan sank into the ocean because he's a fucking badass. I'm going to pull up the article again in just a second. But first, a word from our sponsors. What are we at, 24 minutes? Shit, I got a long way to go. Anyways, so... Dunkirk is a... Okay, recently revealed that Christopher Nolan, director, accidentally sank a $500,000 IMAX camera while filming World War II movie Dunkirk. Been a worldwide success. I didn't really like the movie that much. With back-to-back number one weekends in the United States and has earned nearly 400 million worldwide. 
The movie is a visual stunner, especially when seen in full immersive experience, filming in 70 while watching in 70 millimeter, which was the way that Nolan intended for Dunkirk to be seen, as he shot the majority of the movie on a crazy expensive and rare IMAX cameras. The sinking news comes to us via American cinematographer via Reddit. Christopher Nolan does not like to add effects in post-production and instead favors practical effects. And one of his methods on Dunkirk was to strap incredibly expensive IMAX cameras to planes and intentionally crash them into the sea, which he totally did. Which presented a hefty task to cinematographer Hoyt Van Zvamishman. Hoytema. Hoyt Van Hoytema. How was that? Did I get already? Who's that messaging me? Whatever. Who cares? All right. Some of the scenes ended in, <laughs> ended in... Some of the scenes ended in the casualty of all types of equipment. But as Hoytema tells an American cinematographer, an IMAX camera ended up sinking to the bottom of the ocean. Uh, by the way, uh, this movie was filmed in Great Britain. Just off the coast. Hoytema said that he and his crew worked to make crash housing for the IMAX camera, which cost twelve to $16,000 a week to rent. Okay, so I said about fifty, so about twelve to sixteen. That's fine. Um, the idea was to have a crash housing mounted to the plane to protect the camera from not only impact, but the salt water as well. Unfortunately, during one take, the plane, be- the plane began to sink almost instantly. Let's see. Uh, what's this? Uh, quote, our grips did a great job building a crash housing around the IMAX camera to withstand physical impact and protect the camera from seawater, and we had a good plan to retrieve the camera while the wreckage was still afloat. Unfortunately, the plane sunk almost instantly, pulling the rig and camera to the sea bottom. Uh, as it turns out, <laughs> the ex- incredibly expensive camera was underwater for over an hour and a half before divers could retrieve the camera and protective housing were, was compromised due to intense water pressure from sinking into the depths of the ocean. In all, the camera was under for more than 90 minutes until divers could retrieve it. The housing was completely compromised by water pressure, and the camera and mag had filled with brackish water. But Jonathan Clark, our film loader, rinsed the retrieved mag in fresh water and cleaned the film in the darkroom with fresh water before boxing it and submerging it in fresh water. Miraculously, the film and the, the film and camera ended up being okay, and the shot made it into the movie with a lot of extra help from uh, Photocurrent across the Atlantic. Photocurrent developed the film and to find that everything was there. The experience of making Dunkirk with Christopher Nolan was a very different experience than Moose movies as illustrated by Hoyt Van Hoytema's story about almost losing a $500,000 IMAX camera. The end result ended up being used in the final cut of Dunkirk and has been universally praised for its beautiful visuals. Nolan has called 70mm the gold standard for making movies and his work in prime example, even with the unorthodox methods of, methods of strapping $500,000 IMAX cameras to planes and intentionally crashing them into the ocean. So... He, all, all for that, here's a, here's a thing. I hate losing gear, but I will do anything for that one shot, okay? And that's that's the key thing. So, I mean, gr- granted, I'm running with far less expensive gear than uh, most vloggers and YouTubers. But the fact is, is that take like uh, strapping a camera, I strapped it, he strapped a camera to a World War II fighter jet. I strapped a camera to a uh, 500 horsepower uh, drift car. Okay, right next to the engine. So the engine could explode, overheat, catch on fire. Um, what? Who knows what could happen? But the idea of strapping a camera just to get that angle for a mere 90 seconds of video footage, to me, is totally worth the risk. And I know the shot that I could quite possibly get from it. That high-intensity, high-impact action that you're looking for so you can make these five-minute vlogs. Now, at the end of the day, the camera that I could have potentially have lost... Um, was only like 80, 90 bucks pre-owned if I was to get another one. But that's still 80, 90 bucks I have to shell out. Whereas I could take that 80, 90 bucks and invest in a newer camera or I could invest in other equipment or what have you. I'd rather not, I'd rather not lose any gear. But when you want to get the best shots, sometimes you got to take those risks and you come up with creative ideas. Now, did Tr- Christopher Nolan have to lose this camera? No, he didn't. But it's just the circumstances of he had a heavy camera on a heavy piece of equipment in the ocean and it just, it sank, and that was the end of that. But the fact is, is that Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk, albeit not my favorite movie that he's ever made, did kill it in the box office. So it was well worth it. 
and he's not an irresponsible director either. He's a very good director. He has a very good vision. Um, and I've never heard a bad thing about him as far as a director. I've always liked his his take on things. Um, he definitely likes visuals. He likes drama. I've never – I've stated before that I don't like him as a fight choreographer. Uh, for example, uh, Dark Knight Rises and Dark Knight, he was, the, the fights were not good. They weren't. Um, but in the first one, for some reason in Batman Begins, he did a fantastic job because everything was so shadowy and fast that it, it was just day and night compared to fight sequences. But a movie like Interstellar, that's his, that's his meat and potatoes right there. A movie like that, that's all Christopher Nolan. And he did a fantastic job of that movie. If it wasn't for the ending... Um, the way the movie kind of twisted at the end, we thought it was aliens, but it turned to be something else. Um, it was that, it was like one plot point away from being one of the greatest movies of all time. And it just, I don't know. It just was one of those things, but nothing to do with the cinematography, the cinematography and the overall feel of that movie of interstellar was just borderline miraculous. You know, something that people have been clamoring about for years or talking about for years was the ideas of black holes and he wasn't afraid to explore it. Um, so yeah, he uh, sank a $500,000 camera. So much for renting it for sixteen grand a week. He sank a camera that cost as much as what they, uh, what they paid Robert Downey Jr. for the first Iron Man. So he sank one well, he, for five hundred grand. he sank Robert Downey Jr. First movie, anyways. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. only made five hundred grand for Iron Man, and Ca- Steve Rogers or Chris Evans made three hundred grand for Captain America: The First Avenger. There's a little trivia for you. Uh, here's a feel-good story. I got a feel-good story for you. This one's a quick one. I just found this one today, so I wanted to relay this really quick. Um, I was when I was a kid. I used to. I actually, I still do love Legos. Actually, on top of my uh, my my reviewing uh, TV. Uh, in the in the studio, I have a little Star Wars um, land speeder, all Legoed up. So just my little you know little tribute to my my childhood. Um, I always used to play with Legos. I love Legos. I love building shit. I love kicking it over. I love making new stuff. Legos actual facility in Denmark, I think it is somewhere around there. It's in the Scandinavias. It's all completely automated. There's like there's not a person to be seen in that entire in that entire warehouse. But they are launching a concept for Braille. So this is at the uh, mib.org.uk. R-N-I-B. See differently. Uh, this was posted on the 24th. Today. Is that today? No. The Lego Foundation and the Lego Project Group have unveiled a pioneering project to help children who are blind and partially sighted learn Braille through play. Uh, let's see. The concept behind Lego Braille Bricks started to be developed in 2011 by the Lego Foundation in collaboration with blind associations from Denmark, Brazil, UK, and Norway. The first prototypes are now being tested. The final Lego brick, Braille Bricks kit is expected to launch in 2020 and will contain approximately 250 bricks covering the alphabet, numbers 0 through 9, select math symbols, and inspiration for teaching and interactive games. The studs on the bricks. So if you've ever seen a, if you've ever seen a, a Lego brick, there's essentially standard Lego bricks um, they have like three, what are they called? Um, studs? Yeah. They have three studs on the top. And then the studs, when you place another Lego brick on top of it, connect to those studs, and you can kind of kind of connect. You can use either one of the studs or all the studs that are on top of there to kind of connect the points in order to build something. So if you want to build a window, you wouldn't connect all the studs together because then you'd just be building a wall. Build a wall. Uh, but if you... You connect like one of the studs, and you can create like an opening. Uh, same goes for the for their when you're putting it on there. They they make like these little ground mats. They make these mats too with the studs. The studs and the bricks represent the dots in Braille, and will f- also be fully compatible with other types of Lego bricks. They will also have the letters and numbers printed on them to include to inclusive on them to inclusive to sighted teachers, students, and family members. So it's not inclusivity; it's just to include them. Director of Services David Clark commented, quote, At RNIB, our vision is a world without barriers for people with sight loss, but we can't achieve this alone. We're proud to have worked with Lego on the, de- on the development of these Braille bricks, which will improve education for children with vision impairment and encourage inclusion. 
Thanks to the innovation, children with vision impairment will be able to learn Braille and interact with their friends and classmates in a fun way, using play to encourage creativity while learning to read and write. I use Braille every day at work and at home, so I'm excited to see how together RNIB and LEGO can inspire and support the next generation. That's pretty freaking cool. That's pretty freaking cool. I have to admit, you know, Legos are one of those original forms of childhood creativity, like the building blocks of my youth. Absolutely. I had a big, you know, after my, my, my dad smacked the shit out of me after I had a little fit at my fifth birthday party, you know, I, le- I learned to love that big box of Legos. No particular theme, and it was just a, a hodgepodge of all different colors and shapes and shit. And I learned real quickly how to put all that stuff together and make stuff out of it. And then when I got some other theme play sets... I could substitute stuff and put it together. It was just, I love it. I really do love it. And oh no, oh shit! Oh my god, Black Hawk down! Hold on. Hey, what a shit show podcast! Uh, all right, we're good. Wait, get out of here. Okay, we're good. Sorry about that. Drop the stream. The stream went down. Um, streaming a turkey. What's that all about? So yeah. Uh, if you were ever thinking about, first of all, Legos are fucking expensive, okay? Legos are mad expensive. I Just don't get me wrong. I love them. I had a ton of them when I was a kid. But even finding, like, retire, because sometimes they'll retire sets, like Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, you can go and get, like, the Pirates of the Caribbean. You can get the big ship that they had back in the day. It was, like, a big pirate ship. You... You can't find you you can't find that's not brand new. You have to go find that like pre-owned on eBay. It'll cost you like 300 bucks. And it doesn't even float. So you can't play with it in the bathtub. You know, not that I would play with Legos in the bathtub. <sighs> Dunkin' Donuts. Disgusting. Um thanks to Josh Gowitzki for the uh, free coffee though. Appreciate it. Got to get you into some better coffee. Uh all right. Next uh see one or two more one or two more articles before we close up shop today i do want to give a shout out to child of snufkin he goes this is a, i was yelling at him when i was offline talking with josh Gowitzki. we were i was showing him uh some of his raw footage from his drifting compilation and this guy child of snufkin says this is a scam i'm like and i yelled at him, i'm like no we're not we're joking he goes s-c-a-m that means that's mean i'm gonna cry mister i don't know Shout out to Child of Snufkin. I got to figure out who you are. I have no idea who you are, but shout out to you. Thank you for uh, joining my podcast for whatever reason. Uh, the next article I want to talk about is I have no mo- I have no movie reviews this week too, either. So we're just gonna talk about current events. Anyways, well, I, why, why is this thing over here? Why don't I just bring it in front of me? You know, uh, there we go. I got like fifteen thousand laptops. I mean, for come on, for Christ's sakes, guys. All right, this one's a health and wellness one. I actually have a good one about um, how fat people, uh, they, their brains bleed. <laughs> but uh, we're going to stick with this one. This is by uh, EWG.org. It's a research uh, firm. Dirty dozen endocrine redu- re- disruptors. So we're going to get into health and wellness. Uh, 12 hormone-altering chemicals and how to avoid them. So there is no end to the tricks that endocrine disruptors... Now, your endocrine system is what plays a key role in your metabolism, your testosterone, your estrogen ta- intake. You know, people who eat a shit ton of soy, uh, this absolutely affects their testosterone count and things like that. And your endocrine system is, ev- is everything. It, it can be... Inf- There's so many things that can disrupt it, including sleep. So here are the 12 worst hormone disruptors, uh, how they do their dirty deeds, and some tips on how to avoid them. Number one, BPA. Some may say that the imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, but do you really want a chemical used in plastic? plastics? So older, like, uh, you know, older Tupperware would have BPA in it. And when you would heat them up, it would release the BPA. And that's not good. So let's see. It was a chemical in plastics imitating this. Okay. Do you really want a chemical used in plastics imitating the sex hormone estrogen in your body? No. Unfortunately, this synthetic hormone can trick the body into thinking it's a real thing, and the results aren't pretty. BPA has linked to everything from breast and other cancers to reproductive problems, obesity, early puberty, and heart disease. According to government tests, 93% of Americans have BPA in their bodies. 
And sometimes these toxins, you can't get rid of them. You have to go through a lot of deox detoxing in order to get rid of these, some of these things. A lot of these times, these, your body will not know what to do with these toxins. So instead of just digesting them and passing them, it will just store them as a fat and it just stays there. And the more shit you eat that you're not really sure of or preserve as well, that your body just stores them and you don't know how to get rid of them. It's, it's, that's the truth. So how to avoid it? Go fresh instead of canned. Many food cans are lined with BPA or research with companies don't use BPA or similar chemicals in their products. Say no to receipts and thermal paper is often coated with BPA and avoid plastic marked with PC for polycarbonate or recycling label number seven. What the fuck? Not all these plastics contain BPA, but many do. And it's better to be safe and sorry when coming to synthetic hormones out of your body. Yeah, you got to get the synthetic hormones out of your body, bro. Dioxin. Dioxin are multitaskers, but not in a good way. They form during many industrial processes when chlorine and bromine are burned in the presence of carbon and oxygen. Dioxins can disrupt the delicate ways that both male and female sex hormones, how you doing, signal, ox signal occurs in the body. This is a bad thing. Here's why. Recent research has shown that exposure to low levels of dioxin in the womb, I don't have one of those, and in early life can both permanently affect sperm quality, I do have some of those left, and lower the sperm, I don't use them lately, and lower the sperm count in men during their prime reproductive years. But that's not all. Dioxins are very long-lived, build up both in the body and in the food chain, are in our powerful carcinogens, that's not good, and can also affect the immune and reproductive systems. How to avoid it? Pretty difficult since the ongoing industrial release of dioxin has meant the American the American food supply. Yep. The entire American food supply is pretty much contaminated with dioxins. Products like including meat, fish, milk, eggs, butter, likely to be contaminated. But if you cut down your, your consumption of animal products, sh shut up vegans, then you're going to cut down your exposure to it. But then again, if you have a balanced diet, it should be okay. And the more you, and the more fresh shit you eat, the better off you'll be. And if your body learns how to metabolize it, you'll be better off as well. Your body's going to be exposed to chemicals and all kinds of shit anyways. So you got to learn how to at least be able to absorb them and process them and get rid of them. You know, you can't be in a plastic bubble. Your body won't know how to fight this shit. Here's, this, here's the next one. Atrazine. What happens when you introduce highly toxic chemicals into nature and turn your back? For one thing, feminization of male frogs. Uh-oh, we're into some Alex Jones shit. Turn the freaking frogs gay! That's right. Researchers have found that exposure to even low levels of the herbicide atrazine can turn male frogs into females that produce completely viable eggs. Atrazine is widely used in the majority of corn crops in the United States. Why do we have so many corn crops? Answer, energy drinks. Super corn, that's what it's usually called. Uh... Use the majority of corn crops in the United States, and consequently, it's a pervasive drinking water contaminant. Atrazine has been linked to breast tumors, delayed puberty, and prostate inflammation in animals. Oh, I'm a little tight down there. And some research has linked it to prostate cancer in people. How to avoid it? Buy organic produce and get a drinking water filter certified to remove atrazine. And there are links to, of course, figure out which uh, filters will suit you best and will actually get rid of this contaminant. Phthalates. Did you know that specific signal program cells in our bodies? Okay. Did you know that a specific signal program cells in our bodies to die? It's totally normal and healthy because a lot of cells, sig cells need to die for new ones to be created. It's totally normal and healthy for 50 billion cells in your body to die every day. But studies have shown that chemicals called phthalates can trigger what's known as death-inducing signaling in testicular cells, uh-oh, making them die earlier than they should. That's cell death in your man parts. If that's not enough, studies have linked phthalate, phthalate, phthalates, phthalates, what the fuck? Phthalates? I'll go phthalates. Phthalates. Studies have linked phthalates to hormone changes, lower sperm count, less mobile sperm, birth defects in the male reproductive system, reproductive system, obesity, diabetes, diabetes, and thyroid irregularities. When you have shitty thyroid, hyper or hypo, that will increase or decrease your uh, metabolism. Sleep has a lot to do with that as well. How to avoid it? Avoid plastic food containers, children's toys, uh, plastic wrap made from PVC, which has recycling label number three on it. Some personal care products contain it. So, and I, that's personal care products. I definitely, I've definitely lowered my amount of 
personal care products. Like I only use soap, just regular good old fashioned soap for myself in the shower. And then I keep an eye on the products I use for my teeth, my face, my hair. Um, avoid products that simply listed added fragrance since this is a catch-all term. Hidden foul. Well, my hair product actually has uh, scent in it as well, so I got to keep an eye on that. Uh, perchlorate. Who needs food tainted with rocket fuel? <laughs> That's right. Perchlorate, a component in rocket fuel, contaminates much of our produce and milk. And when perchlorate gets into your body, it competes with the nutrient iodine. Iodine, you can buy salt with iodine in it, but it's a thought. It's iodine is super, super important. You can get it in like it's in like uh, uh, in tuna. It's in um, beef liver, thyroid, and the thyroid gland. You need it because you got to make you need that thyroid hormone. Basically, this means that if you ingest too much of it of this perchlorate, perchlorate, it'll end up altering your thyroid hormone balance. It's important because hormones that regulate metabolism in adults and are critical for proper brain and organ development in infants and young children. How to avoid it? You in your drinking water by installing a reverse osmosis filter. Easy enough. Fire retardants. Oh, you use the R word. Fire retardants. What do breast milk and polar bears have in common? In 1999, some Swedish science, Swedish, some Swedish scientists studying women's breast milk discovered something totally unexpected. The milk contained an endocrine disrupting chemical found in fire retardants, and the levels have been doubling every year, every five years since 1972. These incredibly persistent chemicals, known as polybrominated diphenyl ethers or PBDEs, sounds like a uh, fucking category on YouPorn, have been found since been found to contaminate the bodies of people and wildlife around the globe, including polar bears. What the fuck? Why is my thingy going dying? I am not very professional today. I am sorry. Sorry, not sorry. These chemicals can imitate thyroid hormones in our bodies and disrupt their activity. That can lead to lower IQ, among other significant health effects. While several kinds of PBDEs have been phased out, that doesn't mean that toxic fire retardant has gone away. PBDEs are incredibly persistent, so they're going to contaminating people and wildlife for decades to come. You get any of that? If you didn't, I totally understand. How to avoid it? It's virtually impossible. But... Passing better toxic chemical laws that require chemicals to be tested before they go on the market would help reduce our exposure. A few things that you can do in the meantime, use a vacuum cleaner with a HEPA filter and avoid reupholstering, reupholstering old foam furniture. I don't think anybody reupholsters furniture anymore. I'm too lazy for that. And then take care when replacing old carpet because the padding underneath it can contain PBDEs. Okay. Lead. Uh... Okay. We don't have to discuss that one. Lead's bad. Okay? You don't need it. Yeah. Lead's bad. Okay? Let's move on. Arsenic. Arsenic can be in your drinking water. It, it's an immunosuppressant. It's fucking bad for you. And it's bad for it's bad for overall growth in children. So, arsenic can be in you may find it in city water, near certain water that that's from certain if you're near if you're in a factory town, arsenic's fucking terrible for you. Get a water filter. Mercury. Mercury is an interesting one because a lot of people... Sushi's huge right now. Okay? People are going bananas for sushi. Here's the thing. And canned tuna. As thing. But the idea is that mercury... Any, if you are a person who eats a shit ton of fish, a shit ton of fish, more than likely, especially if you're a sushi fanatic, you're getting massive amounts of mercury. Okay? Mercury... Poisoning is massively toxic and can be fatal. Uh, hormones don't work so well when they've got mercury stuck to them. The metal may also play a role in diabetes since mercury has been shown to damage cells in the pancreas that produce insulin. Once you have problems with your pancreas, your fucking days are over. Okay? Okay? Over. Once you have problems with your pancreas, you're fucking done. Okay? Especially if you get pancreatic cancer. Game over. How to avoid it. For people who still want to eat sustainable seafood with lots of healthy fat but without a side effect of toxic mercury, wild salmon and farm trout are good choices. I don't know about the farm trout, but definitely the wild salmon. PFCs. Perfluorated chemicals. Perfluorated. Uh, they've been, oh, nonstick cookware. All right. I've been watching a lot of Frank Prisonzano stuff. Frank Prison, You can follow him on, uh, on Instagram, at Frank Prisonzano. I'm pretty sure he's still on, uh, what's the other one, Snapchat. But he's a big uh, advocate for non for for 
for stainless steel cookware. It is easy to clean as long as you have a metal if as long as you have a metal sponge. If you have a metal sponge, it's fucking easy to clean. And if you learn how to cook correctly, you just use olive oil, then it won't stick to the pla- it won't stick to the pan. So what happens is when you use a a, a non-stick cookware with that Teflon coating on it, what happens is if you go above the medium, the low to medium temperature, you go if you start cooking on high with this shit, a lot of these pans, especially the cheaper ones, will start to release the chemical that's in that non-stick coating, and it will get into your food, and then you're eating that. See, the, see what I'm talking about here? If you use stainless steel or copper cookware, though, then you're not going to have that problem. But the thing is, people, you know, they use non-stick cookware all the time. I use non-stick cookware, but I'm gonna. I have a non. I have a regular, good old-fashioned stainless steel pan that I use constantly. And I'm gonna be switching even the coffee that my water, the water that I use to boil my coffee, that pan. I got out of that pot. I want to switch all that shit over to just straight stainless steel because I know how to cook with regular stainless steel pans. They're, they're, and they're freaking mad easy to cook with. They are. So I'm going to switch it over for flavor pur- for First of all, flavor purposes and, of course, for health purposes because every little bit counts. Gives every little piece, every little tiny thing that you do to help your body out, it all adds up. Same goes in the opposite direction. So... The chemical was banned after decades of use. It will be showing up in people's bodies for countless generations to come. PFOA exposure, uh, decreased sperm quality, low birth weight, kidney disease, thyroid disease, cholesterol problems. Cholesterol is an interesting one, but still in there. Other health issues. Scientists are still trying to figure out how PFOA affects the human body, but animal studies have found that it can affect thyroid and sex hormone levels. How to avoid it? Skip nonstick pans, as well as stain and water-resistant coatings. On clothing, furniture, and carpets. Okay. Pesticides. They're pesticides. They're designed to kill bugs. They might kill you too. There you go. There's your answer. Grow your own strawberries. Glycol ethers. Ooh, shrunken testicles. Okay, it's called glycol ethers. This is the one thing that can happen to rats exposed to chemicals called glycol ethers, which are common solvents in paints, cleaning products, brake fluid, and cosmetics. Worried? Yes, you should be. The European Union says that some of the chemicals may damage fertility or the unborn child. Studies of the painters have linked exposure to certain glycol ethers to blood abnormalities and lower sperm counts. And children who are exposed to glycol ethers from paint in their bedrooms have essentially, substantially more asthma and allergies. How to avoid it? Uh, healthy guide to healthy cleaning. So, yeah, there you go. But that one, yeah, that's not something you eat, but it, you have exposure to it in your home or your paint or something like that. Yeah, it's no good. So... That is some ways to, you know, avoid certain things that your endocrine system is everything. So what you have to do is anything that can involve ways to improve your endocrine system. One, make sure you have plenty of iodine. Two, make sure you have a healthy dose of everything that you're eating that would detoxify your body. Lots and lots of greens, tea, coffee, lots of water, exercise, uh, hot and cold Body treatment, you know, hot sauna, uh, cold water therapy, cold cryotherapy, uh, you know, cardio, lots of green tea. That's an antioxidant. Anything that can detoxify your body. Anything that allow, and, and then of course, uh, intermittent fasting, things like that. Those will allow your body to start pro- while you're fasting and while you're sleeping properly. Properly, your body is going through that day's the day's memo and be like, okay. Here's all the things we need to take care of while this prick is sleeping. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to go through this. We're going to go through this. We're going to go through this. We're going to detoxify all this shit. We're going to repair your brain. We're going to do all this stuff while he's sleeping. Then when you wake up, you got a nice extra four to six hour window of not eating. Your body continues to process through this stuff. Get all those extra calories. While you're in a fasted state, your body's going to sort through the additional body fat that's in your body. And it may also come across some of these preservatives and other garbage that's in your system. And it may be able to take some time to process through that shit to get it out of your body so that you have less toxins in your body. This will allow your endocrine system to get up to speed, get rid of some of the toxins that you probably ate or were exposed to, your, get your balance your iodine system, balance the acidity in your body. Just do all kinds of stuff that I'm not even qualified to understand, but it's important to do. Because like I said before, your endocrine system, your gut biome, and your brain, they're all attached. They all affect each other. Okay? 
You'd be surprised by doing, doing all these simple things how quickly your body can respond within a week. Truly within a week. So uh, we're at 54 minutes. What do I want to do here? Drone pay for itself uh, 20 times over or Facebook. This is something you're going to be keeping an eye. I'm going to close on this. Uh, you've been seeing Jack Dorsey from Twitter. He's the CEO of Twitter. And right now, censorship is a big issue. Right now, and there's been a lot of... First of all, the people on fucking Capitol Hill, they don't know dick about social media. They're old. They don't understand how it works. But some of them are looking out for our best interest. Don't get me wrong. They are looking out for our best, best interest. But there is an issue here with censorship. It's, it's happening quite often. Twitter is one where... That's a tricky one because Jack has been going a lot on a lot of social media platforms. He faced criticism from, from uh, journalist Tim Poole. Uh, you can go to you can go to YouTube and you go to minds.com. You can look up Tim Pool. He's really good. Uh, but right now, Facebook, Google, Twitter, they've all. And Facebook, of course, includes Instagram. Censorship. That's the, that's the main issue. The problem is, is that well, today actually, Jack Dorsey met with uh, the president of the United States to discuss censorship. And and uh, followers and shit like that. You know, in case you haven't noticed, our president is pretty big on Twitter. He's a big fan of Twitter. Um, if you didn't notice, so it's all right. But I'm gonna just go through this article real quick. Facebook, Google, and Twitter to face U.S. lawmakers about tech censorship because I'm expecting regulation to be coming down the pike really soon. And if you got a bunch of old dudes doing regulation, then expect expect some shit to fly. And it, it may not be good. It may not be bad but it, it, it's probably not going to be good either so uh let's see company officials are expected to testify before a judiciary subcommittee next week now, this was on april 5th by queenie this was an article on april 5th by queenie wong this is happening actually right now so facebook and twitter and google are headed back to washington next week to testify at a congressional hearing about alleged tech censorship tech companies have faced accusations that they're censoring conservative speech uh on their platforms the companies have denied the allegations in the past I believe they are, uh, whether through algorithm or through uh, other companies, uh, other people within the company, uh, not really connected to Jack. But if Jack's knowingly doing it, then it's a, another problem. The hearing before the Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on the Constitution, subcommittees fucking drive me nuts, on the Constitution is scheduled for April 10th and is titled Stifling Free Speech, Technolo Technological Censorship in the Public Discourse. Because a lot of free speech is moving online. And these companies that are catering to this free speech uh, they have a they have a responsibility to the United, people in the United States to not censor this shit. And if you are a company that operates in the United States, I don't care if other companies like Saudi Arabia or Pakistan don't have free speech laws. If you're a fucking United States, if you're a company that operates in the United States, those are your laws. File them. Okay. If these companies, these or these countries, these third world countries, because Pakistan's a third world shithole, they want to move up to a second world or possibly first world country. They need to understand. This is how companies like this are born. They are born in first world countries where all these freedoms exist. You don't get that shit in those countries. I'm sure there's an argument to be made otherwise, but that's what I truly think. A source da -da -da -da, will also be attending. A hearing will likely mark Potts' second congressional appearance next week. Facebook and Google officials are expected to appear before the House Judiciary Committee on April 9th to answer questions about the spread of white nationalism on their platforms. Facebook's testimony before Congress comes as CEO Mark Zuckerberg calls for more government regulation, including rules about government con about content moderation. Some advocacy, advocacy groups have raised concerns, though, about the government deciding what social networks should keep up or pull down. Okay. Now, it's easy because here's the thing. They're asking for Zuckerberg. They wouldn't really want it, regulation. But if they get it, they want if it's coming, they want it. Because what happens is it takes them essentially it takes the responsibility off of them to decide what they have, what they can and what they will and will not censor or block or ban or shut down or limit or censor or whatever. It'll just be up to the government, which generally does not work out very well. But when it comes to this, this is the first amendment. As long as you're not calling for violence or inciting a group to stifle another group, it's free speech. Everything goes. Shouldn't be difficult to pull that off. It shouldn't be, 
But the government always finds a way to fuck something up. Anyways, uh, in the op-ed, the Washington, the Washington Post, yeah, they're champions. In an op-ed for the Washington Post published over the weekend, Zuckerberg said lawmakers often tell him the social network has too much power over speech and that he agrees. Quote, regulation could set baselines for the for what's prohibited and require companies to build systems for keeping harmful content to, content to a bare minimum, Zuckerberg wrote. Uh, let's see. So basically, what's going to happen, what's happening right now is the all these companies, Twitter, Facebook, Google, which controls YouTube, they all have their own rules and regulations on speech. And it's basically to under hate speech. And that can be misconstrued. What is defined, you know, what is considered hate? Okay. Who defines hate? Is it anything you don't agree with? Who knows? So it could mean anything, anything that offends another group. It's a, fu- it's such a fucking rabbit hole that you don't want to go down it. So basically it's coming to the point where these organizations, Facebook, Twitter, Google, they can't control it. So they're going to plead with the government to come down and do regulation on these companies because they're becoming, they, they're starting to have editorial privilege. When you have, when you, all you're doing is publishing articles and people's opinion pieces and stuff like that, you should be judged. You're now judged a certain way. You're not just, a, you're not a fucking chat room anymore, dude. So the government will get involved and say, okay, Here's what you can post. Here's what you can't post. It now takes all the liability off of these social media companies, and they're just going to follow the rules. Hey, if anything gets posted, not posted, taken down, not taken down, and anybody complains to Facebook, anybody complains to Twitter, anybody complains to Google, they'll just say, hey, these are the government rules. We're just abiding by them. But then it's also going to be about with these companies saying how they interpret the laws sent down by the federal government that's going to be another thing however if the federal government says hey you guys are fucking off or you're not doing what we tell you then the and if you've ever been fined by the federal government it's pretty much absolute now the thing is though a lot of these companies have been suing the federal government lately for one reason or another people are large companies are not afraid to sue the federal government but the federal government is also not afraid to come down and drop the hammer on a lot of these companies. So government regulation, whether you like it or not, I think is coming for these social media companies. I don't know what else to say about it as far as could it be a good thing? If you follow the constitution, you follow the first amendment, freedom of the freedom of speech, freedom of press, then it's all out there. And as long as we're talking with one another, as long as we keep talking and we keep the conversation civil, an open dialogue, this could work out. But if it doesn't, and it just, it turns into a giant fucking riot where anything goes, well, there you have it. Uh, the problem is, is if our Congress is not talking to one another, it makes, it, it sets a precedent for us as civilians to not talk to each other as well. This is just a giant football game, and the football is the United States, and we're throwing this thing back and forth. So, it, it's, it's a bitch. It's a bitch. Anyways, we're at an hour and three minutes. Uh, sorry about today. I was a little off. You know, it's been a it's been a crazy week. I've been tired. Um, I haven't been sleeping well. I don't know why. But I did get some articles across. I'm glad I got some of these articles off my chest. I got uh, good luck to everybody going to see the Avengers this weekend. That's going to be a shit show. I hope it works out. I hope it's a really good movie. I'll eventually see it down the pike. I'm I'm not going to say anything about it uh, until the movie comes. Until I actually go and see it. I'm sure Mr. Frowley is going to text me. Probably late next week and be, dude, Avengers. And I'll be like, yeah, dude. If you guys want to check out a really cool trailer, I know John Wick's coming out, but the final trailer for Godzilla came out. Go to YouTube and type in Godzilla and go watch the latest trailer. It's about two hours, two minutes and 19 seconds long. You got to check this trailer out. It's fucking insane. Um, It's so, so cool. So go and check that out. Uh, if you want to support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Any, any amount you drop. I really do appreciate it. <clears throat> if you're a Venmo person, you can find me on Venmo. I'm not under positive sarcasm though. I'm, I'm under my other, other company name, but you can find me on everything. You can find me on all social media, except for Snapchat. You can, uh, if you want to contact me directly, you can slide into those DMS, but you can find me of course on all social media. You can, you can contact me at positive sarcasm.com hit the contact button. Or you can just email me directly, positive sarcasm at outlook.com. 
Check out my YouTube channel. It's been kind of bu- it's uh there's been a lot of views on it lately, a little more views than normal. Uh, I am looking at some new stuff. I may possibly get uh, a wedding video up there very soon, and then I'm gonna start working on some new shit. I need to start working on some new shit. I'm itching to get this these projects underway. But you go to my YouTube channel, uh, Positive Sarcasm. Look it up. Check it out. Try it out. There's a lot of good stuff on there. Uh, there's gonna be some more drifting videos in the future too, guaranteed. And I'm going to be working on hopefully new <clears throat> trigger warnings, hopefully coming down the pike soon. It's getting really nice out. The iced coffees are flowing. Um, despite all the craziness, things are, are, are pretty good. Things are, are pretty good. I just, I got a lot on my plate right now and, it, and it's getting um, overwhelming and it's hard to keep up with this stuff. It really is. But this is the part where you, if you stay focused and you time everything down and you write everything down and you just, when your alarm goes off, you get up and you do work and you stay disciplined shit can really work out it can only build from there so but yeah i'm gonna close up shop if you guys i'm I'm just yeah i'm all over the place today uh anyways you can subscribe to me uh if you're if you're if you're a fan of the podcast or if you want to try you know to get used to it i i do this once a week it's on itunes it's on stitcher it's on podcast addict it's on google play music you can also grab the RSS feed any way you want to directly from my website, and you can download it directly from my website or listen to it at positivesarcasm.com. Just click on the podcast page. Uh, anyways, I know this is kind of crazy. I kind of banged through some articles, but there's a lot of stuff that I really wanted to get out of here. Go check it out. There is the Oreo class. Check out. You can Google Oreo class action lawsuit. Um, Christopher Nolan uh, sinks a $500,000 IMAX camera. Lego launching the Braille uh, project. Uh, endocrine disruption, dirty dozen endocrine disruptions, the Facebook, uh, Google, Twitter, uh, going to Capitol Hill and yeah. So anyways, I appreciate you guys listening, watching, subscribing. Sorry for the people I wasn't able to get to on the Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash positive sarcasm one. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, just email me directly. We can chat further. Uh, if you're local to the area and you got something you want to talk about, absolutely. But thank you guys for listening, watching, subscribing. I will talk to you all next week. Uh, This has been a positive sarcasm presentation.